Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody, and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and today on the show, I have a guy who's kind of an Atlanta legend in improv, I, I would say. I don't know if he would. Would you agree? I, that's a, I, that would be weird for me to agree with. That's true. That's a big <laughs> word. That is a big word to use. Um, so he, he didn't say he agreed, but he nodded a little bit. So, <laughs> so just so you know. Uh, but today on the show, I actually have the founder of High Wire Comedy Company, and it is Mr. Ian Covell. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be I'm, here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, like we said before we started recording, we got the, the yelling of Real Housewives mm-hmm. of Atlanta outside. So I don't know what will happen this interview. A part of me. <laughs> feels like the door could be burst you know people could burst in here fighting at any moment so i'm just like mentally bracing myself to handle that situation if, if we're lucky right if we're lu- that is that is very true i'm almost going to be disappointed if no one breaks down the door fighting but as long as i get to hear them yelling at each other i feel that that's satisfying that's enough. great yeah, yeah um so to jump right into it jump right into the interview um growing up what late night shows influenced you and your comedy Sure. So I obviously, I mean, I think for me, I'm in my mid forties. So it was Letterman, you know, David Letterman was definitely, I mean, I'm old enough to remember a little bit of Johnny Carson, right? Always enjoyed Johnny Carson. Uh, but I think Johnny Carson and David Letterman are probably my two influences. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you remember watching them as like a small kid or you didn't get into it till you were a teen? So Letterman, I was in college. Oh, in college. Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay. And, like, I got to see the shift when he switched from NBC over to CBS Mm -hmm. and what a different show that was, right? The NBC David Letterman, like, one of the things that was markedly different, when he used to come out uh, on the NBC show, he was always wearing wrestling shoes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that the very first night he was doing NBC – he had some really nice loafers on, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is going to be a different show," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's true, but that's yeah. interesting that you noticed like that small detail. Mm-hmm. So, are you are you very observant when it comes to like comedy or, or comedy things that you may be watching? Yeah, I think maybe, and this is probably the entrepreneurial side of me. Uh, I think maybe I make connections that aren't as obvious to people, and mm-hmm. I think that's. Probably why I sucked at school and I'm good at running a business. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So when you watch like Letterman, were you watching it with friends or were you watching it by yourself? You know, a lot of it would be by myself. But then in college, uh, one of my best friends and I, we, you know, we lived in a dorm. Well, he became my best friend living in a dorm. And we would watch it constantly. And we would write our own top 10 lists and we would like, Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We would spend hours and hours just writing our own top 10 lists. (laughs) Do you remember like a top 10 list that you wrote? Yeah, I remember. And because we had a rivalry with, uh, so the floors of our dorms, they, they did this really crazy, um, psychological evaluation on the, the, you know, the entrance exam or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, or, or the application for the dorm. You realize what they're doing is they're like pairing people up. They're like, engineering these floors with certain personality types, mm-hmm. right? So, like, we were the third floor. Uh, there's two, three, and four were the guys' uh, side of this dorm. Second floor, all jocks, right? Fourth floor, the weirdest people, just so <laughs> weird. And third floor, it was just all a bunch of dudes that just hung out and partied, and our doors were open, and our RA was like, he was like a, uh, 
he was he had been injured. He was a lineman for FSU, and he'd been injured, so he just had this macked out like amazing uh, pad with like a water bed and like all this shit. Oh this dorm God. room, it was like a movie. It was like it was like PCU almost, <laughs> so, and it was like almost. And he was really really cool, and he could beat anyone's ass in the dorm. And he was our RA, so and he was always had our back. Mm. You know, like he'd knock on the door. Uh, to tell you to put the weed out because someone called the cops, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wow. that kind of stuff. Jeez. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so we would make top 10 lists about the other floors. Okay. You know, and we would leave them in their bathrooms and That's so funny. stupid shit like that. <laughs> well, then you might be interested in this. So I'm, uh, I read a book actually all about David Letterman, mm. um, and just like his career. Mm-hmm. And so they interviewed one of his writers about the top 10 list. And so what I learned, I thought it was pretty cool because the top 10 list was like, that was a staple mm-hmm. of the Letterman. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like that. He made a top ten list famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they said always that the the three funniest ones in the entire thing had to be number ten. It had to be number five, and it had to be number two. Sure. And here's why: because ten grabs you. Mm-hmm. So ten is like, okay, let me invest my time in seeing nine through one. Um, five was when they changed pages, so it had to recatch your eye because it was ten to six on one slide, and then they would shift to either a new column or a new screen mm-hmm. to show five through one. And then number two was the best one. Mm-hmm. They always saved the best one for number two. Yeah, because if you remember, they would read it, and while you were still laughing from they number two, they throw one. out number one, and then it was over. Right. Exactly. Right, exactly. So number mm-hmm, two was mm-hmm. always the the biggest one. And yeah. I thought that was so weird, you know. But it makes sense. Well, you know, like um, I really believe, you know, you know, running a um, a, a comedy training center, you get a lot of uh, criticism from mm-hmm. other comedians. Um, how can you teach that? You can't teach people to be funny. I get that. I get where the criticism is coming from, but that is basically like saying I can't teach someone how to play an instrument. Mm. Uh, comedy is more related to music, right? Both things you have to have an ear for it before you even begin. Like, I don't think it's very rare that someone who doesn't have an ear for comedy is drawn to signing up for a comedy class. It's very rare. It happens, but it's very rare. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's an ear, and that ear can be developed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So they don't have an ear. So you're saying, like, um, when you say they don't have an ear, describe what that means. Well, um, simply recognizing pacing. Okay. The pacing of a joke. Um, Dane Cook is someone who I think has an ear for comedy but doesn't have the content down. <laughs> <laughs> like he understands like the pacing, uh-huh. right? He understands the cadence of a joke. But then you're like, was that a punchline? Mm-hmm. Right? So what I'm saying is, <laughs> is like there is, there is an a ear for it, just an ear for like what's funny. And then that's also what's funny to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and having your own ear for just like what's funny, like knowing instinctually knowing that when you're hanging out with a group of friends and maybe you're all like having a conversation about something and then you've moved on. And then 45 minutes later, one friend brings up something that you were talking about 45 minutes ago and you all laugh. That is someone with an ear for comedy mm-hmm. because they understand callbacks. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are these instinctive things that you learn to develop. I probably discovered I was funny around 14, 13 or 14. Okay. What, I, I what would just helped make, you discover that making kids in class laugh. I had a, um, and you're going to ask me to do it if I tell you, but I, I, I used to do this, uh, just this stupid Robin Leach. Do you even know who Robin Leach is? No. 
Robin Leach <laughs> used to be this show on in the 80s called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Uh-huh. Hello, I'm Robin Leach, and this is The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And that was, and I would do that when I was 14, and then I would do tours of, like, different things. Here we are inside my cabana. <laughs> just, like, stupid, stupid, like, you know, or I would, like, I would just, like, describe someone's garage as Robin Leach in the Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. It was just some dumb thing that I would do, mm-hmm. and I discovered that, oh, people were laughing at this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So and, you, did you mm-hmm. like the laughter more or the attention? Mm. I think I just like making people laugh. Okay. You know, it's um, it's the best thing in the world, man. It is. No, it's very <laughs> like, true. I just don't. It, there's it, when when I hear like standups talk about what it's like to get a laugh on stage, and they're like, it's a high that's not even comparable to anything else. It's true. It, I mean, getting a laugh is like indescribable. There is nothing that brings a room full of people together uh, um, more than laughter. Maybe hate. Oh, that's, true. that's true. So there's on both ends of the spectrum <laughs> brings unity to people. Yeah, yeah. The laughter and the hate for something. Yeah, for that's sure. That's beautiful. Let's get that printed on the t-shirt. <laughs> that is beautiful. So, so speaking of that unity and togetherness, uh-huh. did you also try to make people laugh because you wanted to like bring your class together? You wanted to bring more people closer to you for more friends? Was that anything going on in your mind? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, like, I wanted to know that I was good at something that people thought was cool, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I didn't play sports really well. Um, you know what I mean? I, I didn't, yeah, this was something that sort of, I don't know, I just, I, I always enjoyed, like, I don't know, I, I think really I wanted to meet other funny people. Mm. That's what I wanted. And, like, if we made other people laugh, great. Like, I love doing that. But I'm only comfortable, truly comfortable around other funny people. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to be in a room with people who have no sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. For anybody, not just not, not <laughs> yeah. just you. It's for that, yeah. that goes. So I think, like, yeah, for me, it was, like, a way to make friends. Okay. Sure. But it was also, and I, I think growing up, I dragged a lot of my friends into my comedy <laughs> ideas. Whether they, I don't think they really wanted to do them all the time or had mm-hmm. the same passion for them. Mm-hmm. So it was a bonding thing too, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, did yeah. you do a lot of writing as a kid um, or as a teenager? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I've always, you know, I, I, I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of watching movies. I, I think. Writing for me, and it still is, it's, it's hard, right? It's not the most fun thing to do. The, like, it's just a pain in the ass to sit down. Once you get into it and get going, it's fine. But I was more into the performance side. So mm-hmm. I was much more into people like my heroes were Bill Murray, Robin Williams, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, you know, like pe- people like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, that early SNL cast that, that, that was sort of – that. that's where I kind of took my cues from. Okay. And so it was really more – I was really looking forward to – I wanted to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. I didn't want to be a writer on Saturday Night Live. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. So yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, 
when when you were in like high school and you really started discovering okay like i like comedy like you said at 13 14 um did you do a lot of performing or were you just kind of like at home with your thoughts and interests so in high school um any performing i did was at high school okay like with friends Mm -hmm. right i was in the band okay all right um and uh you know, like at the lunch table, um, nobody uh, – it, it very quickly people stopped trying to like step up and having like cut down battles and stuff like that with me because it would – it was just like I would just demolish them. And so instead what I would do is because they wouldn't engage me, when I saw two people into it, when I saw the person who was losing, I would just start feeding them stuff to say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like say this to them. Say that to them. <laughs> You know, uh, and then that would get them annoyed. So there was that kind of performing, I guess. But then the uh, I graduated from high school, and then I started college like two weeks later because mm-hmm. um, I jumped into the summer courses. And then that very first sem- uh, semester, I signed up for like English comp to get that out of the way and uh, uh, acting class. And I was in a play, my f- my first like adult play. I'd done like little kid stuff when I was mm. uh, a kid, but. I was, you know, 18 doing my first play that summer right out of um, high school, and I never looked back. Okay. Now, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to three different places. I went to Valencia Community College. Okay. Uh, because I was not a good student, as I said <laughs> earlier. Uh, and uh, then I went to uh, Florida State and UCF. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're my third uh, Florida State person mm. on the show because I interviewed Matt Stanton. Who, yeah, who, yeah, Matt who and I are very State. good friends. We went there at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah, did, we're really old friends. We've known each other for you, a long you time. You knew him in mm-hmm. college? So yeah. did you know him while he was doing improv mm-hmm. down there? Yeah, I, Matt is one of the reasons why I do improv. Well, we're going to need to discuss that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll need to discuss that. Yeah. And then I also talked to Tara Oaks. Oh, yeah, we're um, great friends too. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's yeah. all these connections, <laughs> like full circle. Yeah. This is weird. So did you know her too? Because I know mm-hmm. she yeah, was she, telling me she knew Matt. Yeah, Tara and I used to do a. Two person show called Bitch and Camaro. Really? In in college or No, here. In, here in, in Atlanta? Yeah, we did it here in Atlanta. Like I've been here f- April will be eight years. So this was like Okay. But Tara and I also lived out in Los Angeles together. Okay. We didn't know each other. We we were in the same circles out there mm-hmm. and I think there were a couple times, you know, we were friendly with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. It was always cordial out there, but we didn't mm-hmm. become really good friends until I moved here. Gotcha. You know? Okay. She told me her story about going to LA. Um, have you heard, have you, do you know the story about, about going there? About going there, how she had no place to stay. Oh, I don't remember that story. This no. was the most wild thing like anybody's <laughs> ever told me. Cause I asked her, I said, cause she told me that she's just kind of like a, okay, I've decided I'm doing this, so mm-hmm, I'm doing mm-hmm, it. So mm-hmm. she decided, okay, I'm going to L.A. because that's where the actresses go. So that's what she decided. So mm-hmm. I said, who were you staying with? Like, do you have a place lined up? And she had no place to stay. She just knew she was going, and she worked at this uh, hair salon in Buckhead. And this guy walked in and said that he was from, like, Santa Monica, like, some, like, outskirt of L.A. And she was like, no way. I'm going there in, like, two weeks. And the guy was like... I'm going to Germany or some European country for like two months. Do you want to just live in my house? And she was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm telling you, man. I mean, yeah. When you, when you just kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. make it to sit, when you make a leap like that, all these nets appear. Mm-hmm. It's true, man. 
Like she told me that story though. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. She's incredible. She, oh my yeah. God. Talking to her. It was one of the most amazing interviews mm-hmm. I'd ever done. She has so, so, so much good advice and oh, life yeah. lessons and mm-hmm. like, it was so comfortable to talk to her and open up and it was great. Yeah. I love talking with her. Um, but did you go, so after you graduated college, did you graduate college at Florida State or UCF? Okay. I graduated at UCF. Okay. Um, I, there is a place in Orlando called Sack Comedy Lab. Okay. And it is the oldest professional improv theater in all of the Southeast. It has wow. been there for over 30 years now. Whoa. Um, it's, uh, it was founded by some guys who um, used to do these like Ren Fair Renaissance festivals. They used to do improv shows for Renaissance festivals, uh, these Canadians. Um, then when they opened up the theater in Orlando, uh, it was really popularized by Wayne Brady and some of his contemporaries. So I got involved there. Uh, within the first couple of years that they were open, I started taking classes there. That is where I met Matt. St- well, sort of, yeah, that's pretty much where I met Matt Stanton because he was the guy my age performing with all the 30-somethings. Oh. Right? Yep. And it was <laughs> like, sense. it was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> uh-huh. He's amazing. And he's holding his own with all these people, mm-hmm. with all these people who are a lot older than us, right? Mm-hmm. So he was definitely a hero of mine. Wow. You know? Um, when I when I would go and watch those shows for sure. Okay, so yeah. what 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 was something he did that made you look up to oh, him? Man, I don't know. It's just the way I, I've just seen so many improv. It's hard to like pick one, but I think it's just the way Matt knows how to just be on stage. A lot of comedians, a lot of people f- try too hard with comedy, right? Mm. And there's a balance to strike between like not trying too hard yet not being apathetic, mm. right? So there's like a balance to sort of make, and you have to find that for yourself. But Matt is, um, if you watch him, and I haven't seen him play in a long time, but but if you watch him play, you know, Matt plays with a, uh, a patience. You know, he's very conservative with his words, and they're always funny, mm. right? So, so yeah, he's, he's great. I, I love watching him perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... That's where, so I, I they had a, a group called The Next Generation, right? This was the 90s. So it was a, this group called The Next Generation, and I got involved. Basically, you went through the classes, then you would get invited or not to be a part of this thing called The Next Generation. And I got invited to be a part of it, found some guys that um, I loved working with, these four other guys at the theater. Long story short, um, I ended up, working with these five guys in our own sketch and improv group. Uh, we had our own, own independent group um, for, I don't know, seven years. I think the last time we tried to count, we did about a thousand shows together. Jeez. Yeah. So it was, it was a great experience. And um, in a way, it was great to do all that before the internet. Uh, before the internet as we know it. Mm. Okay. Because the internet was there, but it was like, I mean, we're talking before Google. If you didn't know what you were typing into the address bar, you didn't go there, right? <laughs> so, so, so you had to know where you were going, mm-hmm. right, to, in order to use the internet. You had to pull stuff out of it. It wasn't mm-hmm. this place where they push stuff towards you mm-hmm. as it is now, right? You went to the internet to pull things out of it. And um, because of that, we were able to develop for seven years in a vacuum. And the con side of that is 
nobody really saw what we were doing. I mean, we did go out on the road. We did get interest from HBO and MTV even way back then. Uh, we toured Canada and CBC, which is their like national um, radio. They came and reviewed our show and called us the next kids in the hall, which was bullshit, but it was very nice to hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, um, you know, and like, so I, I had a great experience working in this bubble um, mm. where we didn't have outside influences except for what we pulled out. Mm. Right. And um, yeah, so it was just a great, great experience, you know, and, and plus Orlando, people don't realize it, but it is a huge, huge live performance market. You can work as a live performer, pay all of your bills and raise a family. You're not going to get rich, but you can do it mm-hmm. in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. In Orlando. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to send this interview to like the Orlando tourism <laughs> department because this is fantastic what we're talking about right now. So while you were in Orlando and you just started uh, to get involved in like the improv scene, did you also do stand-up as well or are you focused on improv? Yeah, no, I didn't do stand-up until I was in L.A. and I did it very briefly. I played around with stand-up for about five years. Uh, every once in a while I get tempted to go back. Um, my feeling about stand-up and me is I don't want to do it unless I'm really focused on it and I want, you know, I'd want to make it really, really good because of the amount of work, like the best standups that I know, the people that I know that are always doing standup, they're in, they're always thinking about their set. It's always improving upon this set. Maybe they're moving things out and putting new things in. And I think that that requires a lot of work and a lot of focus. And uh, I don't know if I could balance that into my life and make stand up that I would be proud of. Mm. Okay. Um, now you were talking about going to LA and I've not asked you this and I don't know the answer to, so I'm excited to hear why, why did you go out to LA? Well, remember I told you like I'd gotten some attention with my old sketch comedy group. Well, that's why we went. Okay. So you went as a group. Yes. Yes. We went out there as a group saying, we're going to follow this. There's no promises that the five of us are going to continue to work together, but let's see where it goes, uh-huh. right? We tried to market a couple. We tried to pitch a couple shows around. Look, I mean, one of the things that people always underestimate about a city like L.A. is they forget that it's, it's a business, right? This is where capitalism and art meet, and it's hard. It's hard to go out there and uh, stay. I, I have watched many talented groups go out there and then disband because mm-hmm. – Sometimes being a part of a group out there can hurt your career. Hmm. Elaborate on that. Think about bands, right? Uh, um, A band, this happens all the time with a band. Uh, You know, a scout, whatever, for the record company comes out, decides they like your band, um, they bring you in, and uh, they go, all right, we like everyone but the bass player. He doesn't look like he fits. Let's get a new person. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So like being a part of a group can, and then what's that guy going to do? What's he going to do now? Right. You know, and then you've got these other guys you're looking at and it's like, well, I don't want to stand in your way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it creates these really money, money creates division, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it does. Um, so yeah, I mean that, and and that's essentially what happened to us. You know, we, we got out there, you, you realize that like, yeah, back home we're the local heroes out here. We're a fucking dime a dozen. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. yeah okay so then so the group kind of disbanded in la would Mm -hmm. you you yeah i would say it fizzled 
It fizzled, fizzled yeah, down. Yeah, it's a big, big fizzle. Okay, so then <laughs> what did you do? What did you do after it kind of fizzled away? I stopped performing on stage for about two years, and I got really depressed, and I took, uh, I got really involved in a uh, an acting class. Uh, I studied Meisner, okay. the Meisner acting technique. Mm-hmm. I got super involved, and I talked to my teacher about it at that time. I said to him, you know, what had gone on and what I was doing. He goes, why don't you just not perform? Why don't you just study for a couple of years? Take a break. Don't worry about it. And I did that. And then when I started creeping back out on stage, I just felt like my improv was now, um, it was at a better place, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'd kind of taken a break, kind of re. I went and lived life for a little while. Mm. Right. And, and that's what you got to do sometimes is just go and live life. Cause that's, what's going to feed the hopper, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Okay, so and then what made you? Did you come to Atlanta from LA or were yeah, you stops? Yeah, I did. Yes, indirectly. Okay. So <clears throat> I I left LA uh, because I was very frustrated mm-hmm. um, because I had gotten to a place in my life where I I felt like LA was not the place for me. Yet I love entertaining people. Mm. Fuck, <laughs> what am I gonna do? This is, <laughs> you know, I hate this place. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate the business out here. I hate all that stuff. That's attitude has changed, but that's where I was at that point. Uh, didn't, didn't like any of this stuff. Felt really lost. I was like, man, I came out here with all this stuff. You know, I had, uh, I had all these friends in this improv and sketch group. That's gone. I had uh, a girlfriend who became my wife. That's gone. I had, you know, like you had all these things. All this stuff was now gone. And I'm like, ah, who the, who the hell am I? Mm-hmm. So I had this very weird, like, epiphany. Uh, I'm sitting there one day kind of contemplating this. And um, I just the thought just kind of appeared in my head. Well, if you're lost, go retrace your steps. And I got on a plane and I went back to Orlando. I went back to the theater that I came from, um, ran into, you know, I was, I was there to see a, a theater festival and I ran into the artistic director who had taken over and he just out of the blue said, Oh, are you moving back here? I had not decided that I was going to move back there. He was like, Oh, you moving back here? I was like, I think I might, I think I might. And uh, he was like, because we could really use you on stage. And, oh, man, after seven years of getting kicked in the nuts, <laughs> to have someone go, we could really use you. You're like, okay, I'm moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I went back, and uh, it was great. Um, it was so – I will never forget, like, what it was like to, to be standing in the alley back there getting ready to go and do a show – and it'd been like the first, it'd been like another lifetime ago was the last time I had done that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so like, uh, then I was there for two years. Yeah. Back in Orlando for about two years, I had been keeping an eye on the industry here in Atlanta through Matt, right? Mm-hmm. Cause my, I should throw this in there. My family moved up to the Lawrenceville area probably 25 years ago. So I always had a connection oh, okay. to Atlanta. Yeah. Right? So so whenever I would visit, I'd stop through. I'd see Matt, um, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I was up here visiting him one day, and he was, like, telling me about this, mo- uh, you know, a movie he had just done uh, with, um, oh, God damn it, what's the guy's name from Sideways? 
shit. Uh, you know the guy I'm talking about. The guy played. Uh, anyways, it, so he he had just done a, 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 a you know a, a movie. He was he was telling me about these movies that he was doing, and then I had another friend of mine who had moved out here years ago, another improviser friend who had been working for Cartoon Network and uh, working in their promo department, and he would every once in a while call me up and be like, hey, can you put this audition on tape for me and send it in? Long story short, again, I, I, I saw that the – and Atlanta has always had uh, an, the infrastructure here for a film and TV industry, mm-hmm. um, but I really started to put the pieces together, and this goes back to what I was telling you uh, about – the connections that I, I feel like sometimes I can make connections that I don't think are obvious to other people. And so I looked, I took one look at that and then I took a look at the improv theaters that were here. No denigration to them at all because they all do what they do very, very well. But what I was looking at was I don't see anything here like the upright citizens brigade. I don't see anything here like improv Olympic. This, that's the kind of improv that you're seeing in those markets. Mm-hmm. As the film and television industry starts moving here, I start doing more long form, right? And sketch comedy. And these two things will hopefully start to come together. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's basically like meeting it in the middle is, is, is what we're doing. And so now we're, we've got a partnership with funny or die. Uh, and we co-produce, um, things with them and we have their ear for pitches and things like that. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, for sure. I can see as you talk about it, you get, you know, more and more excited about it. Yeah. So when you came to Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, obviously Hubbard did not exist when you, That's right. when you That's came right. here. Mm-hmm. So when you first got to Atlanta, what were you doing? Okay. So when I first got here, um, I came up here with the intention of getting involved in the improv scene here, mm-hmm. not just as a performer, but as a teacher. And, uh, there was a really cool place that just reopened two years ago, year ago, relapse, mm-hmm. you know, relapse. Yeah. So Bob Wood was very, very welcoming to me when I first got here. I, I went and did a Richard kickers Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I woke up to an email from Bob the next day. He's like, that was so fucking amazing. You should come down here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, all right. You know, so it was, again, continuing to go on. I'm like, man, I'm like, the more, the farther I get from LA, the more people are welcoming me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm going to keep following this. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, sure. So, so um, I started working there for a while. There was a group, and they're still around, called Automatic Improv. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so they were... Oh, God, I, I love those guys. We were, um, they would perform for like nobody on Tuesday nights down at Relapse, right? Mm. Uh, in the basement there. And we had gotten to talking and they wanted to coach. I said I'd coach them. Um, and then it got to a point where it was like, guys, I, like, I know how to make you, I know how to teach you how to put on a show, not just how to, do improv like let's let's i'm gonna show you guys how to put on a show mm-hmm. right we all worked together on that and i mean i want to say it was like within a year time we went from having like just girlfriends and boyfriends watching it tuesday nights at eight o'clock to packing it out and bob gave us friday nights at eight o'clock wow and and he used to do his group would have fridays and saturdays at eight o'clock and he's like you've earned it wow yeah 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I was talking to um, uh, Cassie Russell just a couple mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, and um, she was telling me she brought your name up because when she first came here, she was talking about how she like just performed all over here and there. So she was telling me how she like kind of performed with you at some places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassie's awesome. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, Cassie would come would come over um, pretty much like I think like when Highwire first started, mm. but that's been through a couple of iterations. So. There was relapse, then there was automatic, and then, you know Josh Warren Mm-mm. at all? Some of the guys from the Village Theater. You should you should look up Josh Warren. He's great. Okay. So, um, uh, Josh and I, we became friends at one of these Richard Kicker jams. Mm-hmm. He invites me over to the Village. I start, I guest in uh, in a show at the Village. Again, they like start opening doors for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, this is great, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, and I worked there for a couple years. Then they, I worked with them while they closed out the old space. And as they moved into the new space that they're in, have you been to that mm-hmm. space? It's yeah. beautiful. Oh yeah. So I, I worked with them as they moved into that new space. Mm-hmm. And then I got that itch again, right? That it's like, this is great. I love these people. And I was getting really conflicted because I love all these people here. I love performing here, but I want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. like I want, I wanted more creative control. It was that business side of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I want to, I need to start thinking about this as a, as a lifetime career. Mm-hmm. So I needed to start raising the stakes for myself. Right. So it was, um, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, and it took a while for, I think, feelings to to mend and and think you know it, performing is very personal right and, and so i think it took a little while for 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 some feelings to mend but we're in a great we have a have a great relationship with those guys i think we all realize that uh there's plenty of room for all of us to be successful here mm-hmm. just pl- and, and the more improv that we have here the better i am not someone who thinks that there should if we only had one improv theater in atlanta that's a bad sign that would be a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. It's true. Because <laughs> nothing's growing. Nothing's growing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I want sure. other improv theaters. I want sketch comedy troops. I want these people to like, to, to me, I feel like I'm jumping around on you, Max. Don't worry. <laughs> no. But to me, uh, what Highwire, what the training component of Highwire is, is yes, there is a direct path. We're going to show you how to do this. And there is a path for you to audition to become a part of one of the improv teams or one of the sketch teams. But there's also the possibility that you're going to be told no. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens when you get told no. Don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right? I have literally told people this before. I've said, prove me wrong. I want you to prove me wrong. Look, I know we said no to you. That doesn't mean I don't like you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing this. Right. <laughs> right? It just means not here. It just means no right now. So go out. Like you've got all the tools. That's why I want to show, that's why I show them how to like, you know, that's why we require our teams to create Facebook pages and Instagram accounts and things like, you know, I want you when the teams come up for renewal and if we don't renew your team, but you love being a team, I am happy if you guys say, we want to be a team. We're going to go do our, our, our own thing. Great. Fuck yes, do it, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we need more individual creators 
You know, we need, we need lots of creators here. I, I, to me also, there's a selfish component to it. If, if we're creating these teams and then they're going out into the Atlanta area um, and continuing to perform, people are going to ask them where they learned. Mm-hmm. People are going to ask them about stuff, you know, and they're going to say high wire, hopefully mm-hmm. with something positive. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my, my, my deal is this. I'll build you the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I'll make it easy for the lights to stay on and for the tickets to get sold and for the theater to get cleaned and, uh, you know, for the drinks to, to be bought and, and all the stock and supply. I'll make all that, I'm sorry, I'll make all that happen for you. Mm-hmm. You just perform here, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And to me, that's like a pretty fair trade off, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, let, let me ask you this because speaking of tickets being sold, mm-hmm. um, there are some improv theaters, once again, I won't name any names, but there are some theaters where to get a ticket to a show, super, super expensive. Yes. And like for me as a college student, especially for my friends, when we're thinking about, okay, let's go see a comedy show, mm-hmm. we can't aff- – <laughs> you know, it's just – it's not reasonable to pay that much money. But Highwire, the costs are, are low. It's, That's it's, right. It's cheap to come, um, not because the show is any less quality than any other theater, but it's just cheaper. So why are your tickets less money? Great question. Um, I because I um, we have six shows a week, mm-hmm. soon to probably be eight, nine shows a week. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want to keep the cost low because I want it to be accessible to people. All right. Um, yes, we are a for profit business, but I actually like to prefer. I, I prefer the term self funded. Uh, <laughs> so it's a little more realistic because <laughs> I say for profit that implies we're making a profit we're self-funded <laughs> so 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 uh you know so I I believe that in order to build a community right not only not only do, not only the tickets cheap not only only five or ten dollars uh, uh for outside people to come in they're free if you sign up and take a class mm. if you take a class you can come see every damn show we do for free for the eight weeks that you're in the class Mm -hmm. because I want people watching the shows. I also think that there is a price point limitation on improv. Okay. We don't do, we don't do big budget shows, right? We don't do shows that have big costumes. You're not going to come to a high wire show and watch people pretend to do theater you know, they're not going to improvise any, you know what I mean? So what you're going to want when you're going to come, it's going to have a comedy club feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's sort of like bringing that, bring that stand-up atmosphere and attitude into an improv club. Mm-hmm. I don't want the, I want these people to know that they're comedians. Mm-hmm. They are funny people. You know, th- these are extremely funny people. Um, and so the, the, the 5 and $10 price point is to make it easy for people to come and check it out, mm-hmm. you know, because people like you who you're absolutely right. $15 a, a week to go see a show. That's $60 a month. That's, that's cutting into your budget as a college student mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, there's a ton of college students. It's a right. big market. Right. You know, like, no, I mean, I wish we had more of them come out to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, um, What's interesting about Atlanta is, uh, man, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, um, but I'm not the only one who believes it. Um, we're about 10 years behind everyone else. 
when it comes to improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're a good decade behind. Now, it's not going to take us 10 years to catch up, right? Because the paths have already, the trails have been blazed, mm-hmm. right? All you got to do is follow a trail that's been blazed and modify it, mm-hmm. right, to, to suit your own needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. So um, the trail's been blazed. It will take exponentially less time uh, it, it, to, to make it happen, uh, to repeat it. Um, but one of the things, if you go to like, um, if you went to like UCBLA, uh, I feel like I'm doing ads for them too. Uh, <laughs> if you went there, you're going to go into uh, a, a, a small, basic black box theater, no trimmings, nothing fancy, very stripped down, and you're going to pay five or ten dollars. You, you might pay more for the weekend shows, but mainly it's going to be five or ten dollars. You can even see their Sunday show for free. I used to watch Matt Besser, Matt Walsh, Ian Roberts, and Amy Poehler for free. Oh my! On God. Sunday nights, that's amazing. For free, right? That is amazing. So, so, so it's about, and this goes back to the entrepreneurial side. This is building a brand, dude. Mm-hmm. That's that's what this is. Mm-hmm. You know, the brand is this is cheap, accessible, badass comedy. You're gonna have fun. It's so much fun. You're gonna you're not gonna come there and watch people pretend to be actors. Mm-hmm. You're gonna come there and watch people be fucking funny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I was thinking, uh, uh, a friend of mine and myself, we went to see an improv show, and it cost a lot at yeah. the place we went to. And um, he was saying to me afterwards, he was like, "Oh my god, you know, it was hilarious. It was so funny, and it was. It was an amazing show. It was awesome. It was, really was. It was awesome." And he was like, "But I couldn't afford that." Um, and I was like, "That is totally true." And then I started thinking about it, and because I'm at I'm at Georgia State, um, but in downtown, you know, you have Georgia State, you have Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. Emory's right near nearby, Oglethorpe's nearby. Right. You have all these schools, Spelman, Morehouse, they're all here. I have never once seen an ad for any comedy club anywhere on our campus and i was thinking about that and i was like wow because i'm sure there's plenty of students who are interested in before it. you release this i'm gonna get some ads at georgia state you should. <laughs> you should i'm telling you i'm telling you georgia state is an untapped market for improv clubs and comedy clubs in atlanta and i i walk around just being like you guys are like right around the corner from exactly dad's in the village well, right dad's village yeah. village literally from my dorm to village theater takes two minutes to drive to Huh. Two minutes. It's it's a straight shot. It's right down the street. So why aren't they having Georgia? Well, Georgia they're going to listen night? to this, and they're, you know, <laughs> they're going to start having have, Georgia, State have Georgia State night or Panther night. Guess yeah. who's going to pack it? Yeah, we are. Right. If Dad's does it, or if Iwire does right, it, right. you know, if any of them do it. But it's a completely untapped market. You know how many students go to our campus? And this is I told you I'm a tour guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is how I know this. Thirty five thousand students are there. 35,000 students every single day are walking around the campus. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, I think part of what you're, what you're kind of um, tapping into a little bit is um, an improv co- – you know, most companies nowadays, uh, they have to be – let me just backtrack – I think of Highwire, while we are a training center and we do do live shows and we produce sketches, how I've been starting to think about Highwire is we are a media company, comma, (laughs) all these other things that Mm -hmm. we do, right? So reaching those people at Georgia State might not be as simple as just putting up Georgia State night. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that is true. That brings value to them, right? So yeah, but like, I don't know. I just keep trying to think of like, there, there's, there's got to be a way 
to bring value to college students in some indirect way that mm-hmm. will drive them to the theaters. Because mm-hmm. I'm right around the corner from Georgia Tech. Right. And, and, and we have um, quite a few people from Georgia Tech that, that are involved in the, in the you know, that, that are actually performing on our, our stages now. Um, people who were graduates or involved in uh, the improv group there. Let's try this, players. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, man, it's like, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to get people. Here's what it is. Because those, those 35,000 Georgia State students mm-hmm. are what the village and dads have to compete with is everything else that is competing for their attention. Not, right? Not just other comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Right, they're competing with everything. Mm-hmm. So, man, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that answer <laughs> out myself. I do not know. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, yeah. I'm oh, not I bringing know. this up because yeah. I'm like targeting no, you. No, like, no, I, like you're stupid. But no, I, I agree with you. It's the whole Dude, thing. I want Georgia, like Georgia Tech students, like an Uber ride over to our theater would cost you three dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so close, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, like, not having a car isn't an excuse. Mm-hmm. But and when you get there, it's going to cost you five bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. No, it's <laughs> you know? totally true. You know? I mean, you can get out of the whole night with $20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's including a beer mm-hmm. if you're 21. Right. <laughs> right of course. Of you course. know? Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's right there. It's right there. And I think to myself when I go to see shows or when I'm, you know, performing somewhere, yeah. um, I'm just like, man, you know, if, if I told the people who just I know at Georgia State that I was performing somewhere, they would – they would come support. And that's tons of people just like yeah. right there. So if that's just for me and I know my close friends group, right. imagine if it was like three or four. So this is why Highwire is structured differently than other theaters mm-hmm. here. And in fact, the village is pr- probably si- similarly structured, yet not exactly. Um, we rely on individual teams and individual shows to go get their audience, mm. right? So that the high wire, uh, the the so that so that it's not there's not this fatigue, you know. Hopefully that that's happening. So as these people reach out to their audiences, they come and maybe that feeds into some other shows. Because mm-hmm. you're going to come when you come and see a show. When you come to like an hour long block at at high wire, you're going to always see two groups, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's sketch or improv, you're going to see two groups come out in that hour. Mm-hmm. Right, and then it, that the other thing is, if you, all you have to do is buy the one ticket, and you can stay all night. You don't have to buy another ticket, so mm-hmm. you can buy the one ticket, and you can see every show mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the night. Um, it's branding, man. Like to me, the the theater is um, a billboard. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the school is where I really want you to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, um, and that's why there's, and that's why we make it, uh, why we prioritize our students getting on stage. Right. Right. We prioritize that because they've invested. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and I believe in a performance based training center. I want to create, keep creating new generations of comedians. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next generation. Yeah. I don't want one group of 12 people that, you know what I mean? Like I don't want just an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but the main reason is honestly a branding and a marketing reason. I mean, when it comes down to it uh, on the business side of it, um, then on the, the, the education and performance side of it, it keeps things fresh. Competition is not a bad thing. You know, if, if I know that 
you, you know, because people can audition and maybe they don't get it. Well, we have other places where you can go. There's a lottery system and you can jump onto a Sunday night team. We have Friday nights at eight. They're superconductor. And if you're an indie team, you can apply to, to jump on. You can get a Friday night eight o'clock slot as an mm-hmm. indie team, right? So like we, there are lots and lots and lots of places to go if you don't make the audition, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I just want to, we're just going to try to keep creating those, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I definitely like what you guys are doing. Yeah. It's very, it's very different. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very f- unique. It's fun to disrupt stuff. It's true. That's <laughs> very true. That's very true. So I had a, I had Sarah Zurich Brown on my show. Did you really? I did. Sarah's I, like, we're like with compadres. Um, like- yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah yep. Um, she was awesome to talk to. So much fun. Now I asked her this and she couldn't remember so I want to know if you uh, remember this. Okay, I asked her, um, where did you get the name Highwire from? Oh, I'll tell you. Yo, you remember? I do remember. I do nice. remember. Okay. So, so uh, it was given to me. Like, I, honestly, I, I usually am pretty, pretty good about naming stuff. Like, all the show names, pretty much all the show names are names that I came up with, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, really, I'm usually really good at, like, branding things and coming up with names for stuff. But for some reason, so what happened was I... I had, for a short period of time, um, I'm going to be very diplomatic here, gotten involved with someone I shouldn't have under a brand that I didn't like. So when that ended, right, I was like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Because it ended very abruptly. And uh, I was like, shit, man, I don't have a name. I don't know what to do. Andy Bliss. I don't know if you know Andy Bliss or not. Andy Andy Bliss is a... uh, I think he used to run Let's Try This, and I think he's still very involved. Um, but Andy was just like, we were sitting around the lobby one day, and he was like, well, I, I always said if I ever opened a place, I'd call it Highwire. And I was like, oh, that's a cool name. And I thought about it, thought about it, let it go. And then, like after a week, I was like, Andy, can I take that name? Are you sure? <laughs> and all I did was add the comedy company to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again trying to connect dots for the future. If I put Highwire Theater Company, what's the SEO there? Mm. Right? So, so like, mm-hmm. if I put Highwire Comedy Company, that says exactly what it is. Right. Right? And there's no mistaking what we do. Mm-hmm. We do comedy, and we are a company <laughs> that creates comedy. Right. Right? So, like, imagine if it was, like, yeah, just a, a media company that, only does comedy. Like if you wanted us to make an, you know, if, if a company came to me and said, and this is kind of what we're gearing up to take on more jobs with, and we've done it a little bit, but if a, if a company were to come to me, even like a lo- local entrepreneur, uh, who wanted to like do some like social media branding, mm-hmm. if they were to come to us, it's like, yeah, we can do that for you, mm-hmm. but only the funny stuff, mm-hmm. right? We don't do unfunny things you're gonna if you want something unfunny go go to these other you know uh creative companies but right. we only do funny things mm-hmm. right and trying to just really lock down that niche mm-hmm. you know yeah because i i was talking to her about it i love the name i think the name is super cool oh thanks uh, because man because it just it reminds me of like like I, th- I feel like improv is such a scary thing to do it's mm-hmm. always so scary because it's completely unknown you know what i mean like it's 100 percent. you have no idea what's going to happen it could go horrific or it could be amazing and that's kind of like what a high wire is. Do you know how shocked I was to find that in 2015, not a single improv company anywhere in the United States, Europe, Canada, 
nowhere is named Highwire. That's pretty amazing. That's fucking crazy. That is pretty amazing. You would think, <laughs> you would think somewhere, yeah. like tightrope, we get, yeah. we get something That's similar. Fucking crazy, man. Right. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, this how, is that how is this possible? Well, then, well, then, it, that's even more amazing that Atlanta yeah. has the one and only High Wire comedy company, High Wire Theaters, the one it, yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, there's that's like other places named High Wire, mm-hmm. right? But not not an improv and sketch comedy company. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, you think <laughs> logically. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So, did, did you have an idea for a name before Highwire? Like, were you toying with something and then you heard Highwire? I don't even remember what they were. They were all bad. Okay. They were all really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's a very interesting story. So, shout out to you said Andy Andy Bliss. Andy Bliss, yeah. Well, thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, he, he did it. Yeah, he did, man. Is he still involved with the theater? He's he's not. Uh, yeah, he's involved in a show called Tipsy Zone. Okay. That is a show that was brought to us by, you know, we didn't create that show. We don't own that show, but a bunch of our performers are in that show, and, and we, we host the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, a guy named Christian Graymore uh, uh, created that show. It's, I don't know if you've ever seen it. it. They do an episode of The Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. but they have drinks on stage. Mm. They have a bar on stage, and anytime it's, it's, it's a gimmicky show, but it's really fucking fun. Uh, they, they, um, anytime another character offers a, uh, another character there in the scene with a drink, they have to accept it and they have to drink it, you know, before the scene is over. So it starts out and, and then meanwhile, they're also doing a twilight zone episode <laughs> uh-huh. on top of that. It's really, really fun. So for yeah. you, uh, personally, you mentioned, um, like the, the trail that Atlanta improv is headed down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see the future of Atlanta improv and comedy being? Uh, I honestly, I, I really, if, if you're asking me from where I'm sitting today, things can change, but from where I'm sitting today, uh, Atlanta is about to become a, a huge market for comedy, for media, for, um, for movies, TV. Um, it's look, I mean, it's really, really, really hard to live in places like New York and LA. Mm -hmm. Your generation is figuring this out. Mm -hmm. High cost, low opportunity, right? Atlanta for the time being, and as long as they maintain this, they have low cost, high opportunity. There's lots of shit to do here. Lots of jobs, lots of cool shit going on. Mm -hmm. It's a real city, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's not a small little town, not anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, I really do see Atlanta being a place that's going to have a sitcom that is produced here. That's going to have, um, uh, I mean, you're going to see uh, celebrities, and you already have seen it, but you're just going to see more of it. You're going to see more and more Atlanta becoming a well-respected place, not just like, oh, yeah, there's New York, Chicago, L.A., and then, then Atlanta. No, I think, honestly, you know, it's you're going to have those four cities. I think people are going to say those four cities in the same sentence when they think about entertainment. That's awesome. That makes me smile. I, I, I love hearing that. I've not heard that before, but I like hearing it. I'm glad yeah. that's, that's at least a, a thought that's been out there and a belief that's out mm-hmm. there because that's super cool. That's really, really super cool. Yeah. Um, now for my final question for you, this is a question I ask every single guest. 
So you are in good company with right. this question. Everybody has answered it. Now you will too, unless right. you say no and storm out, in which case <laughs> we'll end the show here. Um, but the question is um, – yeah, that was that was very dark. That was a very dark thing. I, I don't know. I'll go get some of the Real Housewives of right, Atlanta. We'll bring them in. <laughs> bring them we'll in. just have them start fighting, and then we'll try to have a serious moment yeah. here at the end of the show um, as they scream, rip, rip their hair out. It's just a mess. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes, mm-hmm. uh, what piece of advice would you give them? Oh man. Ah. Uh, uh, follow your instincts, especially when things get scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold on to your instincts. Trust your instincts. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, man, I don't know. That's a really tough one, Max. Uh, good luck. Uh, because, I mean, I, man. I really wish I really wish I could have ended this with something more poetic. <laughs> no, I think I think honestly, yeah, trust your instincts. Trust your instincts, you know. Um if your instinct, if you have a gnawing at you, if you're like in a, a place in your life and you're like, "Man, I, I want to be in this other place." Do it. Mm-hmm. Start working towards it. Like, why are you waiting? Um I I you know, <clears throat> uh I don't if if I'll, let me put it another way. I did not plan to be here. Okay. Be open to your dream taking you on a path that then brings you to a fork in the road. Doesn't mean the dream is over. It means I might have to choose a different path. Mm -hmm. So I started out simply wanting to be a performer, right? Never in a million years did I think I would be, uh, owning and running a, uh, uh, you know, a comedy company. I, I, a production company, essentially. I never, ever thought of myself in this position. I always saw myself as a performer. As I continued to follow my instincts and accept new realities, I was open to making small adjustments. And now I probably get just as much out of um, producing and creating an infrastructure as I do performing. I love watching people um, say, fuck my day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I want to create a place where people can do that. And that's going to be very hard. <laughs> but I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if people do want to get involved at Highwire or if they want to you know, learn mm-hmm. more about you or maybe see you perform or take mm-hmm. a class from you, how can they find you and how can they find Highwire? Great. Easy. Highwirecomedy.com. That's our website. Uh, you can e- email me directly at ian at highwirecomedy.com. Uh, you know, go to, we're on Instagram, Twitter. I don't use Twitter a whole lot, uh, but it, definitely on Instagram a whole lot. Um, at Highwire Comedy, Facebook at Highwire Comedy. So they can find us on all, all those channels. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Ian, it was great talking with you yeah, today. Man. I, mean, Absolutely. I learned so much not only about <laughs> Highwire and about you, but also about just like Atlanta comedy in general. Um, things I didn't know about. Well, we can thank the stand-up scene here. That, that's Seriously, true. They, they have yeah. put Atlanta on the map. All yeah. I'm doing is like riding their coattails. Well, you're, well <laughs> what you're doing, you're doing a great job. Not only riding their coattails, uh, <laughs> but you're doing just a great job putting your mark on the Atlanta comedy world. Because I agree with you. I think, you know, we are 
taking big, big strides, big, big steps. And I'm excited for people to say when they're like, oh, what are the, what are the comedy capitals in the United States? People will go New York, Chicago, L.A., and then Atlanta. Fuck yeah, so man. So I'm, I'm very yeah. excited for that. I also would like to shout out the Real Housewives of Atlanta because they, <laughs> they did not burst in and interrupt our interview. So that was nice. Um, and T.I. was not smoking weed during our interview. So there was just a lot of positives uh, taking place <laughs> right outside the room. So thank you to both of them. Um, and thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us at our Facebook page at Talking Late Night. You can also find us on our website, www.talkinglatenight.com. And you can find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave a review so thanks again to ian for showing up today and uh talking with me and thank you for listening we'll see you next time